learning from our kids too. In fact, Shelly just got back from uh, a week at, at camp with Liam this past week, and, uh, and, and I, I learned some things, okay? For example, I learned that there's a word that I'm just now learning, I've never really known before, uh, the word is yeet. All right, have you all ever heard that word? Um, how many of you know that word? Raise your hand. It's okay, teens. Raise your hand. I know you say it all the time. Come on. Liv, are you listening? I'm calling you out. Have you heard the word yeet? Okay, you raise your hand. Say, I've heard it. Thanks. Okay, so I did some digging and I found out the definition. Okay, so yeet is a, this is from the Urban Dictionary. You may not even know this. Okay, yeet is a beautiful and commonly misused word. Very flexible. Can take many forms of speech. Right? How do you guys use it? What is it? Say it loud. Y'all yeet, right? Yeet. Okay. Um, the tenses, you got to get the tenses correct. You know that you could say yeet. Um, in the future, you'll say will yeet. Did you know that? All right. In the present, you are yeeting, right? Um, in the past, you yote. That's the past tense word for it. Yote is often, sometimes people say yeeted, but that's just silly because it makes you look like a child or a moron. That's what it says right here. So yote or yeet is good. I really, I've never really heard, I said it to Liv this week, she laughed. So, but I'm still learning from our kids is all I'm saying. Um, Kids have a lot to teach us. And one thing that they can teach us is about grace and mercy and about forgiveness. Kids, little ones are very good at that. So if you allow yourself, you can learn a lot from our children in this group. Let's, uh, let's, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for today and for everything you've done. We pray that you would uh, speak today. Lord, thank you for the music. Thank you for the kids. Thank you for our people who have participated. And, and thank you for bringing us to this space. Help us to listen. I pray that you would speak. Lord, use this flawed servant to communicate the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so... Um, Today is our last day of the Mess of Mercy series. I hope it's been helpful for you. Now, my hope throughout this entire series has been really one of encouragement. It's been encouraged, hopefully it's been to encourage you that God is good. The attributes of God are good and that God has chosen you. You are not a side thought, an afterthought. You are intentional. You're a product of creation You living as His children is what He's wanted from the very beginning. And uh, I hope I've been able to remind us all that even if we're having a difficult time following in the way of Jesus, which is the way of God Himself, that it's understandable. Because mercy is messy. Compassion is difficult. Let's go ahead and read this together, our anchor text, one last time, and uh, let's all read it together. Uh, The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Now, there's, there's more, and we talked through this whole text and more in our Abba Father series. But, but when God tells us who He is, each of these words, each of these little phrases is layered and textured, and they're all loaded with meaning. You know, they're, they're loaded with problems. You know, I know we could easily scan over this particular passage and description, and description, and we could say, well, this is God. It's easy for Him to do these things. 
And we might scan over it so much that we glance over the magnitude of who God really is and, and glance over just how He has chosen to treat each of us. Only when I personally attempt to incorporate these into my life do I realize just how difficult and how messy it is to be compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, loving, kind, truthful, and forgiving. I mean, since the beginning of June, we've talked about this. We've heard stories. We've seen examples. Today, I hope that as we wrap up this series, we'll get a look at what God has ultimately chosen to, to give us, and that is forgiveness. Forgiveness. We're going to be in Matthew 18 and Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn there. Now, we know that God is good. We know He's just. We know that because God is just... We know that wrongs must be made right. We know that good will prevail. We know that love has and will continue to conquer evil. So when we think of righteousness, we know that what righteousness is, is being completely right. It's right. Being fully right is righteous. And we know no one is that right. (laughs) Even though I think I'm that right a lot of times. No one is that right or righteous on our own. Not one of us is that righteous on our own. In fact, left on our own, we are more wrong than right. We treat others poorly. We treat ourselves poorly. We make choices that are destructive. We sometimes turn our eyes from injustice. In fact, a lot of times we just close our eyes to it completely. We turn the other way as if it doesn't even really exist sometimes we fail to care for the least of these that are all around us and sometimes we even bring injustice and condemnation and judgment on other people our words which should be used to encourage are sometimes more hurtful than helpful what do i always say at home are your words hurtful or are you being helpful (laughs) what if we asked ourselves that Because sometimes we are so focused on ourselves and our opinion and our values that nothing and really no one else matters. Sometimes in the middle of our living, our everyday life, we inadvertently hurt the closest ones to us. We hurt those people we should be loving. And this, this is the condition, isn't it? Really? This is what has been since the beginning almost. Because no one has ever been able to get it right on their own. No one. Unless they had the help of God Himself. Because really, we don't don't really choose well. I'm speaking for me, by the way. Some of you may choose great. But even if you're somewhat righteous, even if you're the most righteous one in your group, let's say you're the one who stands up above the rest of us. And you give somebody love and care and concern and you give that person opportunity and you give them money and you give them care and support, that person might still do something that is going to hurt you. That person might still be unappreciative, careless, or selfish. In fact, they may even completely forget and abandon everything you've done to help them. And in those moments, 
even if you, we are the righteous one. How do we respond to that person who we've tried to love with everything we have? And all they have to return us is pain or just simply nothing. A lot of times in those moments, our first response to them is not choosing what's best for them. It's not, it's not love back. Because whenever, whenever someone else does not choose well for us, my usual response is not choosing well for them. And I believe this right here is where this lesson today, this attribute of God becomes the most problematic. Because in that moment when we're the victim, when we're the one who people tell lies about, when we're the one who someone hits, when we're the one who someone tries to slander or libel, when we're the one who's been wronged, when we're the one who, have, who has every right to exact justice on the person who's offended us, how do we respond when we're the victim? And when the offense is personal, we're not talking about an occasional car ding in the middle of the parking lot. I'm talking what happens whenever you're the victim of something personal. How easy is that to forgive? And I would have to say with God, lots of things are personal. How does He do it? coming across a story in my research this week. Iran, Iran has an interesting method in their execution, um, their justice system when it comes to executions. Most often, murderers are hanged. All right? they, they, in this moment, they will allow the mem- um, one member of the person's family to participate in the execution. So in 2014, a man by the name of Bilal... It's all they, they know about. He's in his 20s. And he is standing at the gallows for killing an 18-year-old boy in a bar brawl years early. He's already served seven years. And at that seventh year, they said, oh, by the way, you're going to get executed. It's time. They don't really have any warning. It's just they march you out there. Everyone else knows, apparently, but you don't. He served a few years, and he's given the death sentence. So the, the victim's mother is... She walks up and she stands there as this man is crying, just like this, and he's praying. So the woman, this mother in that black hijab, she walks up and he goes silent. Now, this is the moment whenever the family member would kick the chair out, essentially executing eye for an eye. She slaps him in the face. That's just what happened. You just cut it right after that. But she didn't kick the chair. Instead, with a loud voice, she tells her that she and her husband had forgiven him. So he joins her, and together they remove the noose from around his neck. He serves a few more years and finds his freedom. 
Matthew 18, then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times, please. Please, just seven. That's my insertion. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Jesus, God in the flesh, uses this figure of speech to communicate the importance of forgiving others as often as they sin against us. You can see what I mean about messy. Because forgiveness is what God has chosen to do, which means that forgiveness is good. It is a good thing. And it's also, as we see, not optional. And if you read on through this chapter, you're going to see the story of a man that owed a king a debt that he would never be able to repay, a lifetime or more of wages. And the king has compassion on him, and he releases him from his debt. He doesn't kick the chair out. He removes this financial noose from around his neck, and he lets him go, canceling the debt. The man goes out, finds one of his debtors, somebody who owes him a small amount, chokes him and says, pay me, and when he can, he throws him into prison. The king finds out, says, how dare you? Puts him into prison and says, you're going to repay everything you owe me because you did not forgive as you have been forgiven. Forgiveness is not optional. Jesus himself addresses it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 and 15. He says, For if you forgive others their trespasses, when they, um, then your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I think if Jesus had had a mic in that moment, that would have been a perfect moment, right? Just mic drop. Heavenly mic drop. But even Jesus knows this is difficult. This isn't easy. But when has the way of Jesus ever been simple? Because it is that struggle. It is that moment when we're fighting, when we're trying to do what's right. Those are the moments that we grow, that God embodies us, that He tells us and shows us and creates us into His image. It's something we are supposed to do. But nevertheless, it's hard, isn't it? Even though it's part of God, it's something that He's given us the ability to do. We still have a hard time when it comes to forgiving somebody. The last time I preached on this, I wasn't going to... I couldn't preach on it unless I had done it. (laughs) It's hard. That's the hard thing about preaching. You have to actually do the things you say. And, And so I made a phone call, and it was hard. But here it is a few years later, and we had the same conversation with this, with this person this past week, and it was good to see how, what God has done since that moment. But I have settled in my, in, in my studies in conflict and things, I've settled on a few reasons why we have such a hard time forgiving people, and I'm going to share two today. We could actually have a whole sermon series on this, because forgiveness is that textured and layered and difficult, but I'm going to share two reasons why I think we have a hard time forgiving. Um, first, we have this idea that if someone has sinned against us, and if we've willingly separated from that person uh, because of the hurt and pain they've showed us, then suddenly once we forgive, we're going to have to go right back to the, thing, the way things were. And that terrifies us. 
So let me assure you that forgiveness is not reunion. It only takes one person to forgive. It takes two people in a relationship to to reunite. And I'll tell you that a lot of times forgiveness will happen in you if you're wounded. And the wounder, they may not understand any of this till later. They've got their own baggage to deal with. When you forgive someone, it doesn't mean going back to that unhealthy relationship or even to the one who wants to harm you. In fact, when we're wounded, our desire is for justice to occur or for them at the least to be aware of what it is they've done. Think about what you've done. The desire for justice creates this kind of emotional tether or chain between us and the other person. And we may not even realize it's there, but it is. It's connecting us and we... We give them, as we, I've heard this said, we give them um, rent-free space in our brains on a daily basis. But this chain is there, and it's weighing us down, it's draining us. And when we finally get around to looking at this chain and this connection for what it really is, I think we'll find that it's not us that's bound by it, but in fact, we're the ones holding on to it. To forgive is to let it go. Forgiveness doesn't mean reunion. And if that happens, it will only be through the grace of God. Only be through Jesus. Sometimes it's not, as as someone I heard say the other day, it's not just time. It's Jesus and God working in the midst of time. And no, reunion would be good if God got a hold of everybody. But has this kept you from forgiving? Another reason we have difficulty forgiving is that we have this idea that, that for, we're supposed to forgive and forget. I will say, some people may disagree, forgiving is not forgetting what has been done to us. The old story goes like this. Um, Saul did something really dumb in his marriage. They were, he and Ethel were married a few years, and she chewed him out for it. And, you know, they apologized, they made up. However, from time to time, Ethel would always bring it up. He'd mentioned what he'd done. And finally, Saul said, Honey, I thought your policy was forgive and forget. And Ethel says, Well, it is. I just don't want you to forget that I have forgiven and forgotten. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Because it's true, isn't it? Forgiving doesn't mean we have to suddenly act as if everything is fine. Nothing has happened. Because every action has a consequence. Whether good or bad, there's a consequence for every action. To forgive does not mean that that consequence disappears. I mean, how can we forget what has been done to us? I mean, just ask someone who suffered through a terrorist act. Ask someone who suffered from the hands of a violent person. A spouse who's been violent, a drunk driver, someone who's had their reputation ruined because of words that will never, ever go away. How can you forget those things? Because whether emotional or physical, we still are going to have scars. So we don't forgive, you know, because we think we're going to have to forget. And that means that the person might just get away with it without having to get what was coming to them or without having to admit that what they did was wrong. So we don't forgive because we think, I'm, 
I don't want them to, I want them to suffer just like I'm suffering. To forgive is not to forget. Forgiving is actually a very strong and courageous thing to do. Even though the trauma was so great, you're actually releasing them knowing what they have done. And the world may see this as crazy and weak, but I'm going to tell you, it takes the strength of God to do that. Because He did the exact same thing to us. While we were still sinners, while we were still wounding Him, hurting Him, not repentant, He chose to forgive. To forgive is not to forget. It instead, I believe, provides the space for God to do His work. Because forgiveness, it's messy. It's very messy because the forgiver could get hurt again and again. The forgiver, um, the person who's been forgiven might be the one to hurt them. You know, will they understand what it took for me to forgive them? They, they may never, never understand. Because forgiveness has so many facets to it that for many, forgiving may be the most difficult thing we will ever do in our life. And I will tell you, forgiveness is a long and difficult journey for some. And that's okay. Because I know that some people in this room have endured some difficult, difficult things. And if I were in your shoes and had to deal with that, I don't know what I would do. Other than just curl up in a ball, some, some just pray. Ask God to help me. Because I know that some of you have endured major trauma but that Matthew 6 and Matthew 18 they keep coming to my mind and the question is what does it look like to forgive I don't think it's easy as some make it out to be but the root meaning of this word is actually to send away or to release Uh, there's there's this word pardon there because when God forgave us through his son he canceled this debt that we would never ever be able to repay just like the man in that story but he released us still and could we release others their debts to us could we let go of the things that keep us from moving forward and becoming healthy godly people could we could we even if we have to keep doing it over and over release the pain and the hurt and the anger that someone else has caused us even if you have to look in the mirror and see a scar each and every day could you release that each and every day i would say that the answer to that is a definite yes because god has released us from our debts and this is what the cross was all about isn't it the length that God was willing to go to forgive us once and for all, how far would we be willing to go? How about today we begin the process of letting go? Releasing those people who have wounded us. Because I know that sometimes the wounds are so great and the connection so heavy that we just question what could it be to forgive because it's so far out of reach in our mind it seems it's not as easy but maybe today we could begin this process of letting go maybe today we could make it an ongoing practice if you have to for the next week for some of you my question is what if you took today to let go of that one thing completely. Because God has chosen us to be His children. He has. This is His plan from the beginning. 
He's real. He's filled with compassion. He's filled with love, kindness, mercy, and forgiveness. What if we showed people what we have been shown? What if we show people that forgiveness is not optional for us? Because as followers of Jesus Christ, when it comes right down to it, forgiven people must be forgiving people. Why would we expect others to realize what God has done for us unless we are willing to show them what God has done for us by doing for them what has been done. I mean, ultimately, God wants everyone to experience forgiveness, doesn't He? And I believe that this, this is how you can participate in the kingdom work of God here, by letting others experience forgiveness from you, the body of Christ, individually, collectively, forgive as we have been forgiven in a moment we're going to sing but I'm going to give you an opportunity there's pieces of paper on the pew right next to you I want you to if you're on the end of the pew just pass those down make sure most people on that pew has a piece of paper I'm going to give you an opportunity to begin this process I know that right now you can think of one or more people that you need to forgive What I'd like you to do as we sing is I want you to take a pencil, a pen, there's pencils all around. If God's moving you, write the name of that person down right now. Just write it down on that piece of paper. And when you're done, I want you to hold on to it while we sing. Just hold on to it. Because sometimes forgiveness is a process, and it may take you a little while, but I'm going to tell you God is patient. He wants to use whatever has happened to you to bring life to other people to bring others into relationship with Him. God wants to do good where Satan has wanted to do evil for us. And my encouragement to you is to do the thing that doesn't seem natural. It's allow God to help remove the noose from around someone's neck. From around our neck. Write down the name of that as we stand and as we sing. Hold on to it. I will tell you what we'll do at the very end. Let's, let's stand together.